It's the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry, and this week we're heading up Shit's Creek as we break down the nominations for this year's Emmys. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. After months of couch surfing, I finally got to experience the new normal for actually going to a movie at the theater. And I'm finally trying to wrap my brain around season three of HBO's Westworld. Let's start with the 72nd Emmy Award nominations, which were announced this week. And Watchmen received 26 nominations, the most of any show, including Best Actor and Actress in a Limited Series for Jeremy Irons and Regina King, respectively, as well as Best Limited Series overall. Here's King's Angela Abar and her husband, played by Yaya Abdul-Mateen, also nominated as a supporting actor. We win. You were wrong. The other nominees for Outstanding Limited Series were Little Fires Everywhere, Mrs. America, Unbelievable, and Unorthodox. The nominees for Outstanding Drama, Better Call Saul, The Crown, The Handmaid's Tale, Killing Eve, The Mandalorian, Ozark, Stranger Things, and Succession, which received 18 nominations in all, including Best Actor for both Brian Cox and Jeremy Strong. It has been suggested I would be a suitable figure to absorb the anger and concern. But the truth is that my father is a malignant presence, a bully and a liar, and he was fully personally aware of these events for many years and made efforts to hide and cover up. That's an awkward Thanksgiving. On the comedy side, Canadian sitcom Schitt's Creek received 15 nominations, including Best Comedy Series and Lead Actor for Eugene Levy. Here's a clip with Levy's Johnny Rose and his wife Moira, played by Catherine O'Hara, who was also nominated. Well, you did such a great job, sweetheart. I don't know how you do it. Oh, someone has to hold it together. There's a time and place for sentimentality, and your only son's wedding day is hardly the moment. The other nominees for Outstanding Comedy, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Dead to Me, Insecure, The Good Place, The Kaminsky Method, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and What We Do in the Shadows. As for the ceremony itself, as we hear from Jason Nathanson, it looks like the Emmys will officially be virtual this year. Ever since Jimmy Kimmel was announced as Emmys host, the main question has been, what will a major award show look like in the middle of the coronavirus? pandemic. Now it seems we have an answer. The show will be virtual. No stars in attendance to accept their awards. Instead, in a letter from Emmy producers sent to actors after their nominations Tuesday and first revealed by Variety, the nominees will be at home or wherever, and teams of technicians and others will be sent to make them look fabulous and to capture unique on-screen moments. The Emmys air September 20th on ABC. Jason Nathanson, ABC News, Hollywood. So that's the, the big news of the nominations that came out this week. Brett, for me, uh, I got a whole list of good things I liked about it. And at the top of the list, I put the, the Mandalorian got a Best Drama nomination over on Disney+. Plus. I was not expecting that at all. Yeah, you know what? The, I, when they saw that the Mandalorian was there, I was... Um, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I, I, <laughs> I figured, oh, well, this is just going to 
be a fun sci-fi Star Wars adventure. It's not going to get any awards recognition. Yeah. And I, I think what it, what was uh, the real surprise out of that is Disney Plus got some Emmy love, but Apple, with its The Morning Show, it's much ballyhooed The Morning Show, right. did not. So, But it's cool that The Mandalorian was, uh, was nominated because it was a much better show, I think, than pretty much everyone anticipated. Plus, I think it does need to be rewarded for the way that it captured... The, the collective imagination when it came out, because thanks to, to Baby Yoda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and that's like the most lovely thing that was on TV in the last year. And I mean, when you look at all the other things in the, uh, in the category, so much of it is so dark, like Ozark and The Handmaid's Tale and Better Call Saul's can get pretty dark. And you watch Succession, that sounds like a pretty dark show. So uh, seeing The Mandalorian in there is... is just like literally a bright spot in a in a sea of sadness. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, Ozark, uh, oh boy, that's one of the darkest shows on TV. Or at least it, the material isn't dark. It's just a grim show. But yeah. season three was excellent. Ozark also walked away with 18 nominations. The Handmaid's Tale, I couldn't even bring myself to complete watching season two. I think I watched two episodes and while it was good, I just, for whatever reason, wasn't in the mindset to, to carry it through. Even though I loved, we both loved that first season, and that was hard to watch. I've never watched an episode of The Crown. This is actually, oh, and I've never watched an episode of Killing Eve. My dad loves that show. But yeah, this is weird, that the, the fact that of the, the eight nominee, one, two, three, four, eight of them, I have seen six of these shows. So yeah. The overall uh, vibe, I think, of the Emmy nominations this year was like, oh, I've seen more of the stuff than I was expecting to have seen. Like over in a comedy, Curb Your Enthusiasm, we both watched that. You watched Dead to Me. You liked that one, right? Yes, it was very good. I, I remember when it came out last year, uh, someone who was close to me was watching it, but uh, I never... It wasn't that I wasn't interested in it. I just had my own stuff to watch. But when season yeah. two arrived, I figured, you know what? I'm going to check this out. And I really, really dig it. Insecure with Issa Rae. I hear good things about that. I'd like to watch that someday. Shit's Creek. I just feel good for everybody on that show and sort of like all of Canada. Like Canada will be pulling for that hard. The Good Place is one of our favorites. The Kaminsky Method I haven't watched yet. I just think Michael Douglas must have... He must know everybody in Hollywood. That's the only explanation for how he keeps getting nominated for the show. Uh, the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, of course, has won before. And then What We Do in the Shadows, which I only started watching a, a couple, like a month ago or whatever. I, I finished it in the last week. And to see that on there was a huge thrill for me because it was actually turned out to be an incredibly funny show. It's, uh, it's, it's the mockumentary show about vampires and if you can, uh, if you have the FX app, I highly recommend checking that out. Yeah, when you first talked about that a few weeks back, I thought, A, how did you even hear about this? And B, <laughs> how did they come up with this stuff? So it does look like fun. So yeah, I, I have some work to do if I want to get, if I want to familiarize with or myself with the, the nominees for Outstanding Comedy because I've never seen an episode of Insecure. I have not watched The Kaminsky Method. I have not watched The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which I think got 20 nominations. Uh, what We Do in the Shadows, I have not watched any of that yet. But uh, this is a solid field. And Shit's Creek, I haven't watched an episode of that either. But it is nice to see the, the momentum it has built for itself uh, in not just in Canada, but in the United States. 
as well because I guess like how did it even gain its momentum? Was it Netflix or was it because I think it yeah. aired on like the Pop Channel or something in the United States? Yeah, it was, and then but then they put like the older seasons on Netflix and it just caught fire like that. There you go. That's the kind of what happened with yeah Pop TV. Is what aired Schitt's Creek in the United States. <laughs> I still States. don't even know what that is. But. I, I don't either. <laughs> but, uh, well, that's kind of what, what helped Breaking Bad as yeah. well. It, it helped Breaking Bad gain its uh, pop its momentum near the la- last couple of seasons because people were catching up on Netflix. So these, this is a solid, uh, solid field of television. As far as that drama category goes, I... I can't even pick one. I mean, I don't know how to pick Better Call Saul over... Uh, succession and vice versa or ozark you know those, they, that's a tough one so i'm glad i'm not having to cast a vote yeah it's, it's a sort of i would i guess those would be the three that would be the front runners with maybe a, a mandalorian spoiler maybe people just want to pick something fun i don't know the better call Saul thing that uh i'm glad it got that drama series nomination but neither bob odenkirk nor Rhea seahorn got nominated which is that's frankly insane because I don't know. She especially gave like the best performance in all of television last year. She got. I missed that. She didn't get nominated. Yeah, she gets snubbed. Oh my it's, god! Because we when we watched that episode, <laughs> we we talked at length about how she just <laughs> basically secured herself an Emmy award. Never mind yeah. an Emmy nomination. She gave the performance of the season, the performance of her career. Quite frankly, she is the beating heart of that show. Without her, that show would not be as good as it is. Uh, so who did get nominated in that? Car- you know what? Hang on a second. Let's just press pause here. I want to find out who is more worthy than Rhea Seahorn in the eyes of the Emmys. In a moment, you are listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. We're going over the Emmy nominations, and I missed something when the nominations came out. Jeff just pointed out that Rhea Seahorn from Better Call Saul, she plays Kim. We thought she was going to be a lock for an Emmy nomination for Best Supporting, but she did not get nominated, and this is the scene where she, just a simple little lawyer, gives it to a drug lord. Here it is. What kind of operation are you running anyway? Tell me. Because I think I know why you sent him to do this job. It's obvious. You have no one else you can trust. Right? So you sent some lawyer through the desert with your your seven million bucks? No offense, but you need to get your house in order. Oh, really? Yeah, really. If you don't trust your men with your money, you have bigger problems than if you trust Saul Goodman. Okay, so I can't believe she didn't get nominated. But unfortunately, no. in with the Emmys, there is always the talk of who got snubbed. And uh, let's see who she's up against, or who she would have been up against. Who got nominated? Um, Laura Dern and Meryl Streep, both for Big Little Lies, and I'm fine with both of those. Yeah. Uh, Fiona Shaw from Killing Eve, we'd have to ask her dad about that. Julia Garner from Ozark, uh, she plays like the young lady in that. She's yep. really good, right? Yeah. Uh, Sarah Snook from Succession. Yeah. <laughs> Hel- Helena Bonham Carter from The Crown. She's movie star famous, so she gets in automatically. Uh, Samira Wiley from The Handmaid's Tale. She's really good in that. That's, uh, the main character's, uh, friend. I can't remember her name. And uh, Tandy Newton from Westworld. Okay. Well. But still, I mean, come on. I would swap. Okay, take out Laura Dern and Meryl Streep. Those two are 
they those were definitely. But I th- I don't see how why you can't swap out Reyes Seahorn with any of these other actors, and they're all excellent. Julia Garner is tremendous in Ozark. My dad, yes, he said would say Fiona Shaw is outstanding in Killing Eve. Sarah Snook was awesome in Succession. You know what though? I would take her out if I if if I had to pick, I would take her out. The guy that plays Lalo, Tony Dalton, he didn't get nominated either. But Giancarlo Esposito, he's the only person out of from Better Call Saul to get nominated as Best Supporting Actor, and he also got a second nomination as a Best Guest Star in a Drama for The Mandalorian. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I you know, give Giancarlo Esposito all the awards you want, but. He was like the fourth or fifth best thing on Better Call Saul this year. Yeah, Giancarlo Esposito, his character is important, obviously, to the story of Better Call Saul, but he should not have been the only person nominated for an award on that. And even The Mandalorian, like his role was okay, but... Yeah, I think they just like that. They must just like that guy. Somebody in there loves him, clearly. And it's weird, though, because like Breaking Bad got all sorts of Emmy love. And you'd think, you know, behind the cameras, it's all a lot of the same people. So it's kind of weird that they're not giving it to Better Call Saul like they did to Breaking Bad. Yeah. Okay, so what else do we have here in terms of acting nominees or nominations? Uh, I'll, it's uh, no surprise, but I always like to point out, uh, I just love it when Ted Danson gets a nomination for The Good Place. Uh, I don't know if he'll win. I actually think probably, I actually think Eugene Levy might win that award. But uh, it's just always good to see Ted Danson nominated. He's... You know, the crown prince of television. So <laughs> that's why I put his name down. Okay. Outstanding lead actor in a drama series. Did we cover that yet? No. Jason Bateman, Ozark, Sterling K. Brown, This Is Us, Steve Carell, The Morning Show, uh, Brian Cox, Succession, Billy Porter for Pose, and Jeremy Strong once again for Succession. That's a tough one. That is very tough. I, I think it's, uh, you almost got to go with Brian Cox. But Jeremy Strong's performance was was great. Um, did, I'll leave you, that to you. I've not seen any of those shows. Yeah, I'm trying. Oh, well, I guess so. And there is the nomination. I just said it. The Morning Show did get an Emmy nomination uh, for Steve Carell for and Jennifer Aniston as well. Oh, they both did. Okay. Yeah. Well, then I completely retract my earlier statement. I really need to. You know what I needed to do before we did this show was actually look at the list, the full list of nominees. All right. So since I don't know the full list of nominees like I thought I did, Jeff, who got nominated in Best Actress for a Drama? Jennifer Aniston for The Morning Show, Olivia Coleman for The Crown. Uh, both those ladies have won awards for their shows before. Jodie Comer for Killing Eve, Laura Linney for Ozark, Sandra Oh for Killing Eve, who's also won before, and Zendaya for Euphoria. A lot of people are excited about her. Uh, I only know her from Spider-Man. So. Yeah, she's been in all kinds of stuff. She's been around forever doing uh, things with Disney. So it is good to see her. You know, She is a talented young actor. Yeah, up-and-comer. That's a tough field she's up against, though, so that would be a a monster upset if she walks away with a trophy. And the biggest uh, deal of the day that got the most awards, like we said right off the top, or nominations, is is The Watchmen in that uh, best limited series category where it's up against Little Fires Everywhere, Mrs. America, Unbelievable, and Unorthodox. And honestly, The Watchmen's the only one of those I've, I've seen, but 
my gosh, that was a terrific show. And I'm so happy for its uh, co-creator, Damon Lindelof, who should have way more Emmys than he does have. I think he might only have one for like the first season of Lost. But of course, uh, Lost had six marvelous seasons. He did The Leftovers, which was my favorite show of the decade, last decade. And then uh, we just both loved Watchmen. It was amazing. Yeah, Watchmen was fun. It was very intense in terms of what you had to wrap your brain around because yeah. at the end of every episode, I think I was left just sort of scratching my head thinking, um, what just <laughs> happened? What, what am I watching here? So it, it, it was the kind of show where you couldn't, be, well, I mean, you could, but I think it would behoove you not to binge it because you need to take time first to digest what you've just seen and then maybe turn to the internet and read a recap or read a review, um, yep. and there are many of them out there, and that can help oh, you yeah. piece together what's going on. The one downside about those reviews and those recaps is sometimes people get speculative and they predict what's going to happen, and often they're bang on. So that can be yeah. frustrating. And then when they're not bang on, they like blame the show for not uh, doing what they predicted would happen, which is insane. All right, well, we'll have much more on the Emmys throughout the year here on the Couch Potatoes. But up next, we're going to switch from the small screen to the big screen because Jeff went to two of them this week. You're listening to the Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, and he is Brett. After four long months, I was thrilled this week to actually go to the movies. I saw two, including Jaws. You're going to need a bigger boat. And I also saw The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. The movies we're all pretty familiar with, they don't really need a review, but the experience is definitely worth talking about. I went to two different theaters for weekend matinees. I went by myself because my girlfriend was camping, and even if she wasn't, she wasn't about to come to Lord of the Rings with me. That's just not her thing. So at Cineplex, where I saw Jaws, they're selling seats in pairs with a lot of space between the pairs of seats, and that's awesome if you go to the movies as a pair. I bought a single seat and I was a little worried about it and sure enough they sold another single ticket to someone in the seat right beside mine. Now it didn't end up being that big a deal because the theater was huge. One of those marquee AVX theaters that Cineplex has in some spots and there were like 10 of us in a room built for 100 so I just grabbed an empty spot away from everyone else. Even still it's a glitch I hope they soon fix if they haven't already. Um, for example the next day at Landmark Cinemas they were also selling pairs of seats for those going with someone but they also had a row where they were only selling single seats so I got one of those as did a couple of other singles and we all had at least three empty seats between us. Everything else was the same as everywhere else. There's social distancing markers at the concession stands and the washrooms. There's hand sanitizer available. There's staff running around cleaning things. And at Landmark, they actually showed a video before the movie started demonstrating how they clean the theater itself. They have some kind of a, a portable fogger machine that uses a sanitizer fog of some sort that they say is very effective. Someone walks up and down each aisle with it and it fogs the seats. So everyone, you know, should of course decide for themselves if they feel comfortable heading back to a movie theater. But I felt pretty good about it. It will, of course, depend on the state of things where you are. Brett and I are here are in Manitoba. Our numbers have been pretty enviable compared to most other places. Uh, the concern I have is that, you know, putting 10 people in a theater built for hundreds is not sustainable long term. It'll be weird for a long while yet, I'm sure. So uh, I don't know how many seats have to be up for grabs before a studio decides it's worth releasing a new movie. 
There's all that stuff to consider, and of course, it's also very tentative. Again, time will tell. So for now, if you want, there are fun classic blockbusters to be seen for cheap with a lot of elbow room. And after I got over, you know, the bummer of the reality of the situation, I mean, I've never wanted more to be in a crowded theater while I was watching Jaws. Watching the movies themselves was a thrill because I'd never seen Jaws on the big screen and it was a very large screen indeed in that AVX theater. It's one of Spielberg's masterpieces, of course. You can really feel immersed in the water with the shark on a screen like that. The scares weren't scary, of course, because I've seen the movie so many times, but the fun of the movie, the rousing adventure of it all, and the gorgeous cinematography amplified everything in the theater. Highly recommended. Even if you own the movie, the ticket was only $5. Lord of the Rings, also an amazing experience. Of course, I had seen that in theater when it came out 19 years ago, Brett. That makes me feel so old, almost Two decades since the first Lord of the Rings. My God, you're right. It's insane to think of it. Well, I was 25 years old when that movie came out. I don't even know that man anymore who was me. Now that you mention it, I remember a friend of mine dubbed me a copy of The Two Towers. I believe it may have been on VHS. Wow. Like he transferred it from DVD to VHS. but For sure. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) I saw that one three times in theater, I think, and countless more in DVD since then. Uh, in fact, the first decade after those movies came out, I'm sure I watched the trilogy at least once a year. The second decade, maybe every couple of years. I did watch it fairly recently, but I also know the past several years, those watches are more simply that the movies are playing and I'm drifting in and out of them. The iPhone, of course, is always a distraction, that sort of thing. So to watch it in a theater again was wonderful. Really focused the whole time and swept up in Frodo's adventure all over again. It was, really was like rediscovering the movie. And I mean, my God, what a movie. We, we, I think we take Lord of the Rings for granted now. The MCU madness over the past decade has really taken over. But these Lord of the Ring movies were such an amazing feat of filmmaking. There were only a dozen or so people at that screening, uh, but we were all laughing and having a great time. And I will say that literally half of us, myself included, took our bathroom break in the same spot i uh, sorry to inform you, Kate Blanchett, if you're listening, but your dreary elf speeches are not that much fun to watch. I'd much rather go to the bathroom. FYI, it was the extended edition of the movie, an extra half hour, up to three and a half hours, which I'd never seen the extended in theater before, so that was cool, except that they advertised it as the original shorter version, which is what I sort of planned my day around, so it was kind of a shock at how late it was when I finally got out of the movie there. But yeah, uh, two great trips to the theater on the weekend. I was so glad to do that again. There's other uh, classic blockbusters playing, uh, so I'm, I haven't decided anything yet, but I'll definitely be going back. Okay, I got to get to a movie theater now. I miss the popcorn. I miss the big screen experience. I love Lord of the Rings, other movies yeah. that have been playing. And depending on where, what city you're in, I saw Marvel's Avengers was playing in some locations, Back to the Future. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff to pick from if you're really looking to get out to the movies and you want to see something that you either haven't seen in a long time or have never seen on the big screen. Now is the time to do it. want to mention that if you don't want to go to a movie theater, there are a few things that are on Netflix and Disney Plus this weekend, worth a mention. New on Disney Plus, for example, Black is King, a film by Fiancé, a visual album by Beyoncé, who wrote it, directed, and executive produced this movie. It reimagines the, the lessons of the Lion King for today's young kings and queens in search of their own crowns. The voyages of black families throughout time 
are honored in a tale about a young king's transcendent journey through betrayal, love, and self-identity. So that is out as of right now, out on Thursday. So we're heading into the weekend. It is now out. Here's another one that started on Netflix on Thursday. Transformers, War for Cybertron. Oh, and Black is King. That's Disney+. Plus. This Transformers War for Cybertron trilogy, we're now moving to Netflix. It's an animated adaptation of the 2018 Transformers toy line, and this looks really good. Have you seen the trailer for this yet? No, I haven't. It looks like it could be the best Transformers story yet on a big screen. Or I guess in this case, a little little screen. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so that's one of them. The Umbrella Academy Season 2, that's out Friday, July 30th. It's based on a comic book by Dark Horse about a dysfunctional group of siblings with superpowers and they have to work as a team to save the world. So that uh, sounds like that could be fun. There's uh, something called Get Even, a teen drama from the BBC about four teenage girls who form a club and their mission is to get back at school bullies only to find themselves framed for the murder of one of said bullies. And then uh, I think those are the main... Oh, and listen to this. There's uh, something called The Speed Cubers. It's a documentary. I keep bumping this mic. Sorry. We're in a new studio, so I'm still getting used to where my hand, where I can flail my hands. But uh, it's a documentary about the world record holders for solving a Rubik's Cube in the shortest amount of time. One of my buddy's kids is a uh, diehard cuber. Oh, yeah? He's, and these, he can do it fast like these guys do? Yeah. I don't know how he did it. His dad, apparently there's a trick on the internet. You can just look up how to solve a Rubik's Cube and it'll tell you. But I, I tried. I just can't. I just can't. No. We had one when I, we were kids and it was just like, it's the most frustrating thing ever made. I would sort of like to try it again, but but not really. And when I watch <laughs> those guys do it in like three seconds, it's like, it just, it freaks me out. Like it's, it seems like. It's like there's sorcery or witchcraft involved. It's weird. Yeah, you want like you want to walk up to the guy and say, "Are you the Flash?" <laughs> exactly. Up next, we are going to talk about an HBO show that I think got a lot of Emmy love in its first year, but not so much anymore. Doesn't mean it's not good, though. I'll tell you what we're going at next. You are listening to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brad. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes, and I mentioned off the top that I have started watching finally season three of Westworld. But before we get to that, I need to put a bow on something we started talking about last week. Passengers, eternal order flows from the sacred engine. We must occupy our preordained position. I belong to the front. You belong to the tail. No, you those bastards in the front think they own us. We'll be different when we get there. What do you say? We take the engine and we control the world. When is the time? Soon. So I started watching Snowpiercer, the movie that came out in 2013, because I just finished watching the first season of the adaptation that we're seeing on Netflix. TNT launched this series. Uh, 10 weeks ago, I guess, and it's available on Netflix, and I've been watching it for the most part week to week, although I did miss, I think, three weeks in a row before I finally got back to it because I was watching some other stuff on Netflix. And I will just simply say I thought the television series was great, 
and I would say that this movie is excellent because it, it does take less time to just cut to the chase of the political commentary, the social commentary. And it's just a thrilling movie with a great cast. Chris Evans was awesome. Tilda Swinton, she always disappears into a role to the point where you have to stop and go, is that Tilda Swinton? Because uh, at first it wasn't obvious. I remember when I first saw the trailer, I didn't recognize her. So she is very good. So both are good. I'm not going to pick one over the other. I'm not going to say the movie was better than the, the TV series because they're different experiences. They're different ways of telling the story. That doesn't automatically preclude any television adaptation. I bumped the microphone again. Are you kidding me? Like, come on. Come on, McGarry. <laughs> Stop bumping the microphone. I don't even know what I was going to say the rest of the way there so i'm just going to stop snowpiercer the movie is good tv show good finally got back to watching season three of westworld jeff have you watched season three yet i'm stalled out after three episodes uh and the, and haven't watched it since that third episode aired so i was ready to just put it in the rear view for good but if you're going to tell me now that you watched the rest and you liked it that might have to get back to it i didn't watch the rest of it i have started uh watching season three and i'm going to play a clip here that and i'm just going to let it roll and it's not going to make any sense but there's a, a point to that here we go i've waited many years for you and dolores and the others to arrive and who the f you she has five more of your kind under her control they had a head start and i suspect they've taken full advantage of it Who did she put inside you? Is that you in there, Teddy? Who are you? I'm with her. I don't know if you heard me at the back end of that clip, Jeff. I, oh, I just did it again with my finger, but I also hit the microphone with my headphones. Um, so this new studio is, is awkward <laughs> for me today. Sorry about that. But yeah, Westworld season three. Okay, so if that clip didn't make any sense, that's largely, I'm sure, by design for the trailer, because even as somebody who watched and loved season one of Westworld, and I think you loved it even more, uh, and I'd liked season two. Yeah. But season three, I found to be, um, or season two, I didn't, I, I liked it, but I didn't like it nearly as much as season one. Uh, but I watched both of the seasons, and then I went into season three and kind of forgot pretty much everything because season one debuted in 2016, and that was in October 2016. I don't think I watched it until late December, and then season two debuted in June 20, April 2018 and wrapped up in 2018 and finally season 3 started back in this March and I did watch the first episode I think that week like the, a couple of days later and for whatever reason they just started piling up so I waited several months to watch the second episode I think that was a mistake because season 3 episode 1 is an episode of television I kind of sort of don't remember that well. <laughs> and this is not the show where you can just no. kind of loosely remember details. For those who are not familiar with Westworld, Jeff, 
Uh, could you sort of give us like a, a, a quick Reader's Digest summary? Well, the best part, that's why we like season one so much, because that's stuck to the original premise, which is Westworld is a theme park of sorts. It's You go into on a train and you arrive in a western town and you can go to the saloon and you can get a horse and but everyone that's not a tourist at the theme park is a robot and you can do whatever you want to the, you can get in a gunfight they can't kill you you can kill them and there's all sorts of other stuff you can do with them and but of course you know the twist is that the robots all of a sudden gain sentiency somehow and turn on their human overlords and uh, you sort of get a war like that. And if, it, if that was just the show, I think we'd all still be really into it. But it used that as a launching pad and it's gone on to all this other stuff. Where, and then now it's, I don't know what it is. I, I feel like it's these robots are trying to take over the world. But they also do trick on you with, you know, time frames. When are things taking place? And also, by the time we got to season or the third episode of season three, it was, uh, it was, you just can't trust that every time someone shows up, the only thing I think is, oh, they're probably a robot because so many people you assumed were humans have turned out to be robots. So I'm very much enjoying it. I'm looking forward to, to playing it out because I, I thought maybe I would just give up on it after that first episode, not because it was bad, just because I had no, I wasn't compelled to go back, but I am now compelled to finish. Well, you let me know how you enjoy it and I might go back to it. Because I did watch those three episodes and I didn't feel compelled to carry on after that anymore either. It got to be too much of a chore to try to keep track of what was going on and who was robot and who was human and everything else like that. And if I do go back to it, it won't be before, I don't know, three weeks before season four starts. I'll have to read a recap of season two, then watch season three right before season four starts just so... Like you said, I can remember everything that I have to remember to have this crazy show make any sense. That's where I'm at with it right now. Yeah, that's I agree. It's a lot. It is a lot. And it's a, it's a show that almost, much like Game of Thrones, you could really benefit from watching it more than once. But it's so heavy and so intense that I don't know that I want to watch it again. But we'll let you know. We'll keep you posted. And hey, that's all the time we've got. I'm Brad East Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. And remember... If it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.